you're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com. All right, I want y'all to go ahead and turn with me to Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. We're working our way through this book this summer. Last week we saw Paul's shock at the speed in which the new Galatian believers departed from the true gospel of grace. The creed they departed from, from the Messiah to a mirage that was no gospel at all. And then the need they departed to in trying to please men instead of God. Well, that need bleeds over into our passage today. It's the need that many believers have, many unbelievers actually, to please themselves by discrediting any message that doesn't conform to their personal beliefs. There was a man, y'all may know him, it's the late Carl Sagan. Anybody know Carl Sagan? Uh, he passed away almost uh, 25 years ago at the age of 62. He was an American a, astronomer, an astrophysicist, an author, a certifiable genius. He, but he's uh, a lot of accolades attached to his name. But he's most known for his research on extraterrestrial life. He, he was a professor at Harvard and then later at Cornell for uh, 30 years. And some of you may remember his voice from a, a TV show. He narrated and actually helped co-produce, co-write uh, that 80s TV series called Cosmos, A Personal Voyage. Uh, and it won Emmys. It aired in 60 countries, which is a big deal back at that time. But he most assuredly was not a follower of Christ. As a matter of fact, the Washington Post reported that David Morrison, one of Sagan's students back in the day, tells uh, the story, Carl acted like an atheist, but he rejected the label. I guess it seemed too absolute to him. He always tried to be open to new evidence on any subject. I'm reminded of Bill Nye answering a question about what could change his mind about evolution. He said, evidence. Well, friend, we know that's not true because <laughs> there's a lot of evidence. People just don't want to pursue that evidence. It's striking the lies and postulations that mankind will try to invent in order to dodge the reality of God, to put off God. And all of us, all mankind, we're just like crim any criminal. We tell so many lies and we can't keep our lies straight. It's so striking to me that the science behind the sheer preservation, continuity, historicity, accuracy, archaeology, and global impact of God's holy word doesn't warrant more public postulation and conversation. Don't you find that striking? <laughs> Less conversation than extraterrestrial life? <laughs> well, that's because the fallen world doesn't want to seek the truth. Right, And before any of us think of ourselves as better than all those world's pagan rebels, let me just remind you of Romans 3.11. No one seeks God, right? And I shared all that about Sagan for one reason. Because the same man who was atheistic uh, in all his thought processes was also quoted as saying these words. To really make an apple pie from scratch... You've got to begin by inventing the universe. <laughs> Remember, he was, he was famous for saying billions upon billions. That was his famous quote they mocked him about. Church, it's the same with religion. People try to make their own gospel 
from scratch. But to do that, they've got to start somewhere. <laughs> and friend, our gospel has an origin. And Paul's about to trace that origin in Galatians 1 verse 11. So let's read God's word together. Galatians chapter 1 verse 11, these are the words of God, more important than anything else I'm going to say today. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I, I saw no, none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea and that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Now in your worship guide, it says that Vince Hoyt is supposed to pray today. But he can't because he's in the hospital with his pregnant wife about to have a baby. And uh, he, he texted me this morning and said, call me preacher when you get a chance. So uh, she, last I checked an hour ago, she was having contractions every one to two minutes. She was three centimeters at 3 a.m. So I don't know what she is now, but baby, I told him, I said, look, if there was ever an excuse to skip church, I would say the birth of your first child is one of them. So I don't think they know if it's a boy or girl yet, so it'll be a surprise. But I want to ask Tony uh, Castro, one of our uh, elders and lay pastors to come and, and ask God's blessings on the message. And by the way, while he's coming up here, while he's coming up here, I want to remind you, uh, tell you, if you didn't get the memo, uh, right after the service today, we're going to have uh, Tony's on the mission team. So that's why it made me think of it. Tony and Trisha's wife. Uh, we're going to be having a trip to, to India this year uh, in October, late October, early November. We're going to be working with some uh, M's on the ground, some missionaries on the ground there uh, that I know. You know, I used to serve there, so this will be a mild stomping ground. So if you are interested in it, you're not signing up, but if you're interested in it, right after the service, we're just going to have a quick 15 minute max uh, interest meeting about it. Tony? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for today, and Father, just the, the great number that you have um, brought into our church. Father, we just know that you're going to give us uh, opportunities in the future, Father, uh, like this trip to India, uh, and in our community as well, Father, to, uh, uh, to praise you and, and work f uh, in your service. So I pray for, for obedience of all of us. Father, your word says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I thank you that um, we don't have to earn, Father, our way mm -hmm. into heaven. We don't have to, um, Father, work for that. We, we work out of the pleasure uh, and the opportunities you give us, but not for our salvation. So we thank you mm -hmm. for that. We pray that you would use uh, Went today, Father, and um, your Holy Spirit to sanctify us more, that we would not be 
drawn uh, here and there by the things of this world, Father, that are false, but would uh, rest totally and truly in your word and in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, y'all may remember the old illustration about uh, how one day a group of scientists got together and, uh, you know, they decided that mankind had, we've already been able to see the depths of the oceans. We've been able to put a rover on Mars. We've, uh, we can manipulate atoms and build molecules and clone animals and so on. Uh, so they decided to have a contest to see if man was finally smarter than God. Uh, and they were going to do this, of course, by creating uh, who, whoever could create a human from scratch. And y'all know this old story. Uh, so the scientists gathered around and one of the scientists reached down and picked up a handful of dirt. And God said, no, 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 no. You get your own dirt. <laughs> right? Where did man begin? Right? The dust of the ground isn't man's origin. It's what God, the dust of the ground is what God used to make man. But everyone in this room was made in the mind and the heart and by the hand of God. That's the beginning. That's the origin. And Galatians 1.11 says, For I would have you know, Paul says, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. The KJV translates that uh, phrase, I would have you know, as I certify to you. It's the Greek word norizo, and it's used to introduce matters of great importance. Paul is further authenticating the gospel. You ever hear someone say, that's the gospel truth. Well, the gospel is truth. It's, and so Paul's giving both the clarification of the truths that the Galatians had already heard and believed and a certification that that truth hadn't changed in the, in the time period between uh, when they believed it and the, and the time they changed their minds and began to follow these false teachers. It's not odd to have things certified, by the way. We, have our, we certify our checks. We, we have... Uh, titles on our cars. We have marriage certificates, birth certificates. I mean, if you've ever had to refinance your house or take out a loan, I mean, you have to sign like, you know, a hundred documents. I mean, it's ridiculous. But so why when we need all these certifications for different things? Why don't we need that for the gospel? We need a certification. The Galatians didn't need one for, to go after these other, uh, this, this legalistic uh, man-made as Tony prayed, uh, good works based salvation that the Judaizers were preaching, right? It's like all false news today. Who cares if it's true as long as it fits my narrative? God forbid we actually research. One commentator said, with, any, with eternal destiny hanging in the balance, it is assuredly the most errant folly to accept a so-called gospel which is not divinely accredited. So Paul's first answer to the question of the gospel's origin is to tell them where it's not from. God's story is not from man. Paul says repeatedly throughout his life that he is nothing. And he applies that same thought processes, uh, process to the gospel. Man had nothing to do with the gospel because man is nothing apart from God. God didn't watch some old black and white TV series with the masked man who was a hero and think, man, I want to be like that guy. I want to be a hero. John 1, 3 says, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. So John says it in the positive and the negative. John 1, 3, all things were made through him. That's the positive. 
Without him was not anything made that was made. That's the negative. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. If a believer could be so mature as to actually plant the seeds of the gospel and water them, he's still not anything. <laughs> and not to steal any thunder from uh, a later sermon, uh, but Paul will say in a few chapters over in Galatians 6 verse 3, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Jeremiah said it this way in chapter 10, verse 23, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. When Paul wrote to the Galatians, his gospel was under attack, right? They considered Paul's message kind of a, a secondhand, second-rate gospel. And if it had originated in Paul's clever little philosophical mind, they would have been correct. <laughs> it wouldn't have been worth anything. But John 15 verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So Paul says, look, <laughs> I didn't come up with this. I didn't, I didn't think of this. It reminds me of when Paul and Barnabas, back then they used to call, Barnabas' name was before Paul's. Uh, pretty soon he overtook Paul, uh, overtook Barnabas in terms of popularity. But they were in a place uh, called Lystra on Paul's first missionary journey. And Paul had just healed a crippled man in Acts 14 verse 10. And then in verse 11 it says, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they thought Paul did it. They lifted up their voices saying in Lyconian, the gods, little g, have come down to us in the likeness of men. And they were serious. I mean, they went and killed animals and were going to have blood, pagan blood sacrifices to Paul. But in verse 14, when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of like nature with you. And we bring you good news. We're not the good news. We're bringing it to you that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons satisfying your hearts with food and gladness Paul says look I didn't make this message up I didn't steal it I didn't borrow it I didn't plagiarize it from another man and it didn't get passed down to me through some cultural tradition or teacher Paul just preached it he didn't invent it this is his constant message throughout every one of his New Testament letters one scholar named Stott said, as in verse 1, he asserted the divine origin of his apostolic commission. So now he asserts the divine origin of his apostolic gospel. The Galatians had become easy prey because they let these false teachers creep in around them and offer up all these various religions and uh, authorities preaching different stuff, different uh, what they claim to be truths. So how could they trust one man over another? Paul says, hey, don't trust any of them. Don't trust me. Not me. Don't just trust man. <laughs> Paul's saying, don't trust any man. 
trust the gospel that's not from man. Church, listen, every major world religion has mankind as its origin, except Christianity. Now, those men who created those false religions were no doubt manipulated by the devil or through their own flesh to lie or to teach a lie. But there is only one gospel, and it is not from man. I've seen some impressive uh, archaeological, I mean, architectural feats in my day. As a matter of fact, I almost, I wanted to be in, uh, I wanted to go, I wanted to be an architectural engineer when I was a kid. I inst- when I doodled, I didn't doodle Garfield. I doodled like how- floor plans of houses when I was a kid. <laughs> I know, you, you just thought I was weird. I could tell you more. But um, I, I've crossed the Golden Gate Bridge. You know, it's, I don't know if you've ever done the research on it, but it's just miles and miles of strands. It's just a, an amazing feat. I've been in the Twin Towers before they fell. I've uh, been in the Empire State Building many times. The Burj Khalifa, uh, the tallest building in the world in Dubai. Matter of fact, I watched, when I was in Dubai, I watched the world's largest uh, fireworks show in global history. It was a five mile long fireworks show that went on for like an hour. <laughs> I've uh, crossed the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel. It's, it's uh, the longest bridge tunnel in the world. It's one of the seven modern engineering wonders of the world. I've been in the Taj Mahal uh, in, in India. You know, it was commissioned in the 1600s, took about 20,000 artisans 20 years to make. It's, it's spectacular. But all of these so-called man-made structures, they needed resources, didn't they? They needed brilliant minds, skills, precious metals, an abundance of manpower, muscles. You needed all those things. Well, where did all those things come from? <laughs> they were created by God. It, it, it struck me this week as I was studying this, how much, how little we give credit to God. Matter of fact, even when our kids are healed, oh man, you need to go to so-and-so chiropractor. Mm. You need to go so-and-so doctor. Mm, you need to take this Z-Pack. You need to do, you know, we give credit to the drugs and, and, the, and the doctors. And we're born-again believers and we just leave God's name out of it. Like a global plagiarism, isn't it? Church, remember this, truth has power, not proof. Truth. You think proof has power, but it does not. Truth is what has power. We have truth in astronomy, archaeology, biology, history, sociology, psychology, anthropology, genealogy, and so on that supports our Creator God. That proof, though, isn't powerful enough on its own to convince others to believe. Jay Bly paraphrases this verse like this, My gospel and my preaching of the gospel did not come to me through human channels. It was not mediated to me through any man. And my preaching of the gospel hasn't been guided by human motives and ambitions. So, now that Paul has stated what's not the origin of the gospel, he's going to turn the corner and he's going to tell us what is. God's story is from the revelation of Jesus Christ. Galatians 1 verse 12, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. In the Bible, a revelation is more than some aha moment. My wife, when we came back from a family reunion, lost her favorite blue flip-flops, couldn't find them anywhere. I mean, she knows, she just knew that she'd taken them into, I know I came inside with them. 
And we don't have a very cluttery house. So, I mean, it was pretty easy. We just searched in every room. Couldn't find them. Searched all through her shoes. Couldn't find them. Looked everywhere. Right? I mean, I was like lifting up the seats in the truck trying to find the shoes. Couldn't find them until this weekend when she was strolling into her closet and there they were in plain sight under her clothes, like put there, you know, like a Twilight Zone episode. I know I looked there, probably right where she kicked them when she came in. She's not here this morning. She's home with her sick kids, so I can talk about her. Church, Revelation is more than just happenstance. It's more than finding your blue sandals. Matter of fact, she was going to wear her blue sandals this morning. She's really excited about it. But uh, Isaiah had a little fever. It's God's, in, it, it's not happenstance. It's not just finding blue sandals. It's God intentionally revealing himself to humanity. And he does this in two primary ways. First, in general revelation. That's the physical universe. Psalm 19, verse 1 through 4. The heavens declare the, declare the glory of the Lord. The skies proclaim the handiwork. Verse 4, their voice goes out through all the earth. There's their words to the end of the world. Centuries later, Paul wrote Romans 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. 4, what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. If you don't know your neighbor, you ought to know this about your neighbor because this is what the Bible says about your neighbor. <laughs> or your lost son or daughter. It's plain to them because God has shown it to them. The general revelation, right? For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. If anyone wants to stop and just think about it for a second... If you want to do some actual science and the fact that there categorically every time we invent a new microscope or a new uh, telescope, we find more then we would say that the world is infinite, that the, the universe we live in doesn't have a wall. You would look at the irreducible complexity of a human eye, but we don't want to know the truth. We don't want to do the research. We don't want to respond to the clear perceived glory of God. So God does reveal himself to all men through his creation. Second, he does it through special revelation. That's the Bible, you know, the birth, the death, the resurrection of Christ. David Dockery, former president of Union University, said in his book, Revelation of God, the word revelation means an uncovering, a removal of the veil, a disclosure of what was previously unknown. I talk to Christians all the time where they say, I didn't understand this, but then God, it, it, now it makes sense to me. Have you ever thought about the fact that the Bible never once tries to convince man of God's existence? You think it could have? I tell people all the time, if God had wanted the Bible to include the DNA strand of a dinosaur, you think he could have done that? I think he could have. If he wanted to tell you how to make stuff, if he wanted to tell you how to make your own universe, I think he could have included that. The, the, the equations in there, uh, he could have. He knows it. He invented it. But he had a purpose. The Bible says all scriptures God breathed and profitable for. It's not a map of how to make a dinosaur. It's a map of how to go to heaven and have joy on this earth and in the next. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For what? Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. 
What's the power? The gospel truth. God revealed himself to Paul. Now, now God obviously inspired Paul to write scriptures as well. But the Spirit also made known to him the meaning of all those Old Testament prophecies fulfilled in Christ. He made known to Paul the revelation of grace, salvation through faith alone. But it wasn't like Paul invented faith. When he's telling the Galatians, it's not from me. He's not saying it's, it's a new word, but it's not my new word. It's not a new word. Genesis 15, 6 says, and speaking of Abraham, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as a righteousness. It was his faith and trust in God, not his actions to kill his firstborn son, which he didn't do. Matter of fact, the Spirit was also active in the Old Testament. People say, well, the, there wasn't a Holy Spirit until Pentecost. Oh, wasn't there? 1 Peter 1, verse 10, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace. They prophesied, you know, mean prophets prophesied about grace, according to 1 Peter, that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them. There it is, Old Testament prophets with the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Let me ask you something, church. Do you believe in the death, burial, resurrection, and imminent return of Jesus? Do you? Then welcome to the revelation of God. Matthew 16, 15. This is when Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my father who is in heaven, you didn't look at a bunch of proofs and text and some man raised from the dead in front of you and some hocus pocus magic. You didn't look at some certifiable genius that really was a great orator and really knew how to convince you. You, your eyes made sense of this because the Lord helped your eyes make sense of it. Flesh and blood didn't reveal it. Paul defends the gospel as not from man, but revealed by God. But then he shifts gears from the authority of God's story to the authority of his own. And I'll try to cover this quickly. It's what we'll call my story. Galatians 1.13 uh, through 24, this whole passage has really served as a kind of a paradigm for a Christian's person te personal testimony. There's, there's three tent poles that Paul seems to drape the tent of his testimony over, all right? And there, we see these in uh, three verses. First is verse 13, my former life. Verse 15, called by grace, right, meeting Jesus. Verse 16, in order that. Matter of fact, all three of those same elements, former life, saved life, the difference it's made. That's the elements that should be in every person's testimony. They're all found in verses 23 and 24 as well. It says, they only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy and they glorified God because of me. In other words, my life before Christ, how I met Christ and the difference meeting Christ has made. That's a, that's a testimony. Church, do you have a story? The Bible says that you do if you're a born again follower of Christ. You have a story to tell. And that story stands on two stabilizing forces. First, it has truth. Well, pastor, I know, but a lot of, a lot of men claim to have had revelations and visions and premonitions, right? And, and I think maybe they really did see or hear what they said they saw or heard. 
I agree with you. I believe they did see or hear false things. Just because you have a dream or a nightmare doesn't mean it's going to come true. It <laughs> doesn't mean it's based on truth. Could be based on whatever you ate for dinner. Could be based on whatever you watched before you went to bed. What they don't have, if the dreams or visions or revelations of these other religions are contrary to the Bible, what they don't have is truth. Right? When the blind man was healed in John chapter 9, my first sermon I ever preached, John chapter 9, over 25 years ago, the Pharisees couldn't believe it. They didn't not believe it because of proof. John 9 verse 18, the Jews did not believe that he had been born blind and had received a sight until... They talk to the parents. The parents are like, they're like, is this your son? Do you know that? And he's like, well, yeah, we know this is our son, knuckleheads. Yeah, and we know that he's been born blind, right? Matter of fact, he's of age. Why don't you ask him? He's a grown, stinking man. We've been taking care of him his whole life. What are, are y'all crazy? So we know that the Pharisees believe because it says in verse 18, they didn't believe until that conversation. But even after the conversation, were they really researching? They really wanted to know the truth? Oh, sure. Verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been born blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Well, that didn't sound like a question. That didn't sound like research to me. <laughs> he answered, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. Y'all see what happens there? The blind man didn't have an agenda. He wasn't scared of the things he didn't know. I don't even know. I don't know if Jesus has not sinned before. I don't know. I just know that this is what I know. But the Pharisees, even after fact checking the story, refused to accept the truth. They tried to force their story on him. It almost sounds familiar. Look at the woman at the well. John chapter 4. So the woman left her jar. She just met Jesus. She went to town. She told everybody, can this be the Christ? So she was open to know more, to ask the right questions. And we believe that she's one of the Samaritans that was saved in John 4, 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Church, truth is a stabilizing force and is always on the side of a Christ follower, whether Unbelievers accept the truth or not. We don't wave it around arrogantly like na 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 na. You'll see one day when you burn in hell. I mean, that's not a good attitude, right? I don't mean to wield truth around like it's yours. It ain't, it's not yours, right? It's the Lord's. But you do have the power of it in your hand. Someone said the enemy didn't tempt Adam and Eve to murder, steal, or lie. He tempted them to question the Word of God. His tactics haven't changed. He still calls his cell phones to go off in church. <laughs> you didn't have to get up. No one would have known. <laughs> oh, thank God Susan's already a member. All other world religions that do not adhere to the teachings of the Bible and the guidance of the Holy Spirit are based on or twisted by a lie. Our story has truth in second, and I'll end with this. It has power. Church, your story, if it contains the gospel truth found in the holy, preserved, certified word of God, it has power. 
We've seen this already in the testimony of the woman at the well. We saw it in Romans 1.16. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. If you know the origin of the gospel is God, then you know that the power of your story rests in the power of God. That's a pretty safe, stabilizing, satisfying truth. And Paul has saving faith, so he's wielding it, he's tapping into it in his rebuke to the Galatians. And what does that testimony, that personal story result in? Galatians 1, 23 and 24. Now he's preaching the faith and they glorified God because of me. Do you know two of the greatest purposes of your salvation? You think it's just so you won't feel guilty anymore. You think it's just so you can have joy and eternal life. Well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's true too. But two other purposes are this, so that you can share his story and so that other people can glorify God because of it. Psalm 118, verse 23, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. You go talk to anybody that knew me as a kid, <laughs> right? You've had some of them here testify to that before they pray. It's the Lord's doing. Same with every one of you. Even if you were saved as a kid, it's still the Lord's doing. It's still just as incredible. It's not about how many sins you committed before you got saved, right? It's about what God did before you got saved. You already, you, are you guys ready for the Lord's doing? The Lord has done this. It's marvelous. And he can do that in your life. So tell his story. Tell your story and unleash the truth of the power of God. Paul didn't give up on the Galatians. God hasn't given up on us and we cannot give up on a lost world, assuming they will, that they've already heard it, assuming that they won't believe. Your story and God's story has power and truth backing it up. Would you stand? Father God, I know just a 30 minute machine gun of God's word is hard to ingest. But Lord, I pray that you would help these truths sink deep into our bones <laughs> and that we would understand the power that we have. We so, so often spend our times uh, trying to perfect our debate methods, which for the purposes of communication could be good, but they're not enough. <laughs> if the spirit of God is not with us, it's not enough. And we know your gospel has an origin and it originated in the mind and the heart and the hand of God. And though we do not understand it all, just like that blind man, we know the results in our own lives. We know the truth of your word. And even when we feel like we're crazy in this world, when we speak truth, we, we sound crazy. But Lord, we're not crazy. We have the truth and power of the gospel force behind us. And I pray we would stop acting like we don't. We'd stop, you know, kind of quivering the, the gospel out. Well, uh, you know, I trusted Christ. No, friend, God drew to you to himself through the mighty power of Jesus, and he can do that to whoever you're sharing with. Let us be more bold in our faith. Let us be more content in the power of your message and the power of our own personal testimony. Paul was, Paul could have used any argument under the sun and he goes and talks about his own testimony, what God's done in his life. So I pray, Lord, 
you would do this. Lord, if there's anyone here today that hasn't called on the name of the Lord for salvation, they cry out to you now. And I pray that if there are folks here today who need to make this their church home, they would do that today and begin to serve through the local church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Sermon Audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com.